When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I take the questions of the day and answer them as best I can. Today we're talking about leprosy and giving. And I'm live at Camp Allen. Camp Allen is our diocesan camp. That is a camp owned by the Diocese of Texas in Navasota, Texas. It's beautiful in the piney woods. And I'm here as a chaplain in residence for this week. And that means I do morning prayer at 7.30 and evening prayer at 5 p.m. every day. Ring the bell, pray the prayers. It's really a great way to spend the week. And I'm working on a book, Post-Traumatic Jesus, Um, getting that ready to send to the editor. Um, Got a lot more work to do on it, but this will give me a chance to get ahead on the writing. So thank you for your support of my writing over these years by reading it and buying my books and listening to these podcasts. Uh, I love you all. I'm thankful for you. Have a good day. If you've been following the story up to this point, um, you know that Naaman, the Syrian general, has leprosy. And he has, because of their frequent conquests in the land of Israel, they've captured many people and enslaved them. And one of his enslaved people, um, a young girl who's been enslaved, uh, tells him that there's a prophet in Israel, Elisha, who can heal him of his leprosy. Initially, Naaman is uh, skeptical of this, but he goes and he dips in the Jordan seven times, the Jordan River seven times, and is miraculously healed. Um, Even though the River Jordan is not as prestigious as the Tigris River that flows through the land of Syria, where Naaman is from, he uh, still is healed. And he's really thankful, and he tries to press a reward on Elisha, but Elisha says no kind of like he won't take the blood money uh, that has been gotten through this conquest. And so Naaman goes off. But Gehazi, the servant of Naaman, who may be an understudy prophet, hard to know what his role is in all this, goes running after the chariots of the general and says, oh, we just had some last minute visitors. These prophets stopped by and they need clothing and they need some gold. And Naaman, who has been healed miraculously, is excited. And he's like, yeah, sure. Here's some money. Here's some clothing. Take it all. And he gives it to Gehazi. And he goes and takes it. And he hides it. Well, Elisha knows about this. And he confronts his servant. And he says, did you you go anywhere? And he lies to him. And eventually, Elisha says, "Um, there's a reason we didn't take this stuff. You know, the reason I didn't go was because of the spirit. Um, You know, this is not the right thing to do. When you heal someone and they offer, uh, an outsider offers a gift, you say no to it. This is the way we operate. Um, This is the way Elisha operates. And so the leprosy that had clung to Naaman now is on Gehazi and his descendants forever. Leprosy is one of those weird diseases of the Bible. Uh, We're not really sure what it is, what it was in the time it existed. Uh, Leprosy 
today is called Hansen's disease. It's a debilitating neurological disorder that eventually uh, ends up uh, deforming a person in that their nerve endings no longer are giving good information to their brain and things like fingers, hands, noses um, begin to deteriorate to the point of, of falling off. And so it's a very visibly defiguring, disfiguring disease. In the time of the Bible, there seems to be a white skin that's attached, associated with it, some kind of scarring or, or um, lesion or something that causes whiteness of skin. These are, you know, we don't really know what the skin tone was of the people in these stories. Um, generally speaking, we assume they were darker than white people, um, but maybe lighter than people from sub-Saharan Africa. Um, Semitic peoples, these are Semitic peoples, what we would consider uh, people today that are Semitic are people of Arab descent and some Jewish uh, descent as well. But their skin being a little darker, maybe than most uh, Northern Europeans, uh, would have turned white in, with leprosy. We see this in the case of uh, Moses and his sister and brother, Aaron and um, Miriam, who are critical of Moses marrying a black woman. Moses marries a wife who is black of skin, and they say this, they criticize Moses for this, for marrying someone that is of a different, what they consider to be a different race. And Moses tells God, and God gives them leprosy and makes their skin as white as snow, it says in the Old Testament. Like, God says, oh, you think white being white is so great? Here you go. Here's some whiteness for you, and it's the whiteness of leprosy, not the kind of skin tone people really want. And so this leprosy, whatever it was, clings to this dishonest person, Gehazi. And it's hard to know what leprosy was in the ancient world, but we know it was a disfiguring disease, and it was an ostracizing disease. It was a disease that in some ways showed the judgment of God on people in certain circumstances. In other cases, we're not really sure why people got it or how they got it. Hansen's disease today is not something you can just catch from walking by someone in a grocery store. It's something that um, if you live with people that have Hansen's disease, you're very likely to get it over a long period of time by sharing cups and things like that. And so people that work in leper communities around the world, which there still some exist today, often contract the disease themselves. Um, and so this, um, this punishment that God gives to Gehazi is the punishment that he gave to Naaman, the punishment that drove him to seek help, the punishment that drove him to seek counsel in a foreign land, a land that he had conquered, but to find the true and living God. Naaman, the Syrian general, converts to the God of Israel, to the religion of Israel, to the faith of the one true God. And we'll see how his faith is tested in the coming, coming years. But this is what drove him to change his ways, to change his life, this disease. And so maybe the opportunity is given to Gehazi um, not so much to just suffer with this disease, the disease that he has brought upon himself, but maybe it's going to drive him to get help as well. Maybe it will push him uh, to, to not rely on his own cunning, his own uh, 
manipulations, his own lies to get ahead. Uh, When we've lied to get what we want, um, there is an endless series of lies that need to happen. Um, And that's the problem of lying once, is that you have to lie twice, and you have to lie three times, you have to lie four times. And so this will cut Gehazi off from his lying manipulations forever. And maybe, and I hope, will cause his repentance, cause him to come back to the covenant as Elijah is calling him to. And I hope it calls us back too, because uh, we are all people that in some ways may have benefited from our manipulations, our lying. And we are then saying, we want to come back to the covenant too. We want to be honest in our dealings, especially when it comes to people outside our community who have been helped by the story of the gospel. Amen. Today is the feast day of St. Matthew. The Episcopal Church has a number of saints in our prayer book. Um, They're all in the front cover of the calendar part of it. And you can see who the major folks are. There's some minor folks as well. But the apostles are all major feast days, major holy days. And today we have the Apostle Matthew as our featured saint. Not sure why this day is his feast day. We don't know a lot about Matthew. Um, Everything we know about Matthew comes from the four Gospels, uh, the four Gospel accounts of Jesus. One of them is called Matthew. Um, Nowhere in the book of Matthew does it say that Matthew wrote Matthew, that um, unlike the Gospel of Luke, where it says, hi, I'm Luke, and I'm writing a gospel, uh, Matthew never says that. It just starts out with the story of Jesus and his, um, his genealogy. But by church tradition, which is pretty early um, on, we have this gospel being attributed to Matthew, who is a tax collector. The word publican is an older word for this job. It's probably a better translation of the word tax collector. Tax collector in our world, even though we might not like our tax collector. Uh, hi, if Bruce Elfin, if you're listening to this, um, I love you. You're a great guy. Thanks for sending me all those letters that you send every couple months, it seems like. Um, he's our tax collector, I think. Is that is he everybody else's too? Um, I've never met the guy, but he's our tax collector. Tax collecting in, in the Roman world, Rome was... Um, conquered other countries mainly to collect taxes. That was their big money-making scheme. Um, Whereas modern businesses increase their market share by getting more people to buy their products. And you can find Apple products all around the world and they open local headquarters for Apple products. And everybody around the world knows what an Apple product is. Rome was similar, but they did it with their army. They got everybody to buy into their political system through force, generally, unlike, unlike the, the re- modern retail movement, they did it by conquering. But most of the people they didn't conquer, they, they just said, hey, we're going to conquer you unless you submit to Rome and pay a certain amount of taxes, and life will be good. You get these nice roads, we'll protect you from your enemies that you've been fighting next door. And so a lot of people joined Rome and became Roman customers. And Palestine, Israel, Judah was, was one of them in this time of Jesus. And the way Rome worked is they had 
client uh, contractors. You could buy a, a tax contract from Rome. You had to have connections with the local government and with the Roman officials that were there. But for a, a big enough amount of money, you could buy a taxation uh, job. And that meant that you were responsible for collecting the taxes of the people that lived in your area. And what you, people didn't have money back then the way we, they have money today. They had stuff. They had agricultural fields. They had sheep and goats and stuff like that. So you had to go around and kind of know everybody's uh, stuff. You had to like, know how much they were producing. You had to know how many sheep they had, how many goats they had. So you had to know a lot about your neighbors. And you had to be really nosy because they often hid stuff from the tax collector when the time came to collect the taxes. And so uh, they were not well-liked people. They were known to skim off the top. Once they got what Rome, once Rome got what Rome got, they could pocket the rest. And so the tax collectors were wealthy people, but they were hated by their fellow Jewish people. They were pretty much all Jewish. Um, the, the story of Matthew starts out with a taxation. Actually, the story of Luke's in Luke's gospel starts out with a taxation that Joseph and Mary have to go to Bethlehem to either register for a tax or a census, which was the same thing, uh, or to avoid a tax or a census. Hard to know what they were doing in going to Bethlehem. If they, each person had to go to their hometown and maybe they got a slight tax break for going there to register, hard to know the motive of why they went, or maybe they just had to go. But taxation was a really big part of the world that Jesus lived in. And tax collectors were the ones who ran the system. And they were hated. And Matthew's conversion, where Jesus calls him from the tax bench, the accounting bench, to follow him, is one of the coolest stories in the Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew. And so we thank God for Matthew, a faithful writer of the stories of Jesus, um, someone who traveled with Jesus, lived with Jesus, and eventually uh, wrote about Jesus, which is, and Matthew's Gospel is the main source uh, word-wise, of the life of Jesus. So we, we thank God for him today. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the witness of your apostle and evangelist Matthew to the gospel of your Son, our Savior. And we pray that, after his example, we may, with ready wills and hearts, obey the calling of our Lord to follow him. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray a colic for mission. Well, O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.